Hallelujah. The sweet spirit. Holy Spirit is the sweet spirit. So let's treasure his presence in our hearts. Let's just keep a humble heart so that his presence will move more in our midst. So we are moving into the month of October and God really wants us to be strong because we need to be strong in order to stand firm on our ground regarding what is coming towards us in the coming days. So this month, we will look how we should be strong in self-control. Now, this is very easy when we talk about our outside circumstances. Maybe it's uh, problems that we have, maybe it's uh, uh, things that we have with our friends, with our neighbor, with our co-workers. But there is one thing which is inside of us. Sometimes we cannot win over, we cannot conquer ourselves when we are overtaken by emotion, overtaken by some strong desire. And we just, we could not conquer ourselves. Now, in order to be strong, that's one thing that we also need to conquer. We need to be able to have self-control. And self-control is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So, without the Holy Spirit, without the power of the Holy Spirit, without the help of the Holy Spirit, there is no way we can have self-control. So let's look first from Proverbs 16, verse 32. If you don't mind, let's stand up together and let's read this one verse together. Proverbs 16, verse 32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Amen. Please be seated. So the word of God is amazing. God just has a understanding and knowledge that sometimes it's not of our worldly, not of our reasoning. God's word say, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And that's not what the world say. The world say, if you have, you know, you are mighty, maybe might, mighty in your physical, you, know, you feel confident. And even more, if you are mighty in your resources, maybe you have wealth, you feel that you can conquer because you feel strong. Maybe you feel that you are mighty in your relations. Can you imagine if one of you here, you are a friend of the president of the country. You feel like, wow, I have strong support. But the Bible say, even better than all of those things, even better than those who are mighty, is the one who is slow to anger. 
be the one that you see like, why you are being so slow? Why you just, maybe we being impatient. But God says the one who is slow to anger, who is not short-tempered, when you are facing something that stir up your emotions, stir up your anger, are we being short-tempered? Or are we being slow to anger? And God says, to be slow to anger is more difficult than being mighty. Being slow to anger is higher than being mighty. And I believe this is not easy, right? When we are in a circumstances where everything is okay, everything is fine, it's okay. But when we are under pressure, when we are being ticked off, somebody pushed our button, then what happened? And the next one, God says, he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. You know, in the old times, a city is being uh, marked by the wall of the city. Usually that's how it is. So when the wall of the city is great, thick and mighty, that means the city is very strong. So when we are taking over a city, that means you have to have uh, consider how to take down the wall, how to conquer the wall. And here, Someone who can conquer a wall, sometimes in the old times, they will encamp against the city, maybe days and even months. And the people inside the city, they cannot go out anywhere. So they have starvation inside, famine inside, and finally they will surrender. But here, in conquering a city, that's not the greatest thing. But even harder than conquering a city is ruling over your spirit. Sometimes maybe your spirit is being just like that, being anger, being enraged. You cannot accept the treatment that you receive. Maybe you feel that you've been treated unfairly. Maybe you feel that there is injustice. Why I do not receive what I deserve? Or maybe your spirit becomes so disappointed at your condition, at your surrounding, or maybe your spirit is become embittered. Bitter. Why everything is against me? Why nobody is good to me? How do we take care of our spirit? Can we tell our spirit, okay, now you have to follow God's way. If God say, forgive, then I need to tell my spirit, I need to forgive. And even more, when your spirit is being stirred can you rule your spirit? 
That's not easy. But God wants us to be able to do that. He wants us to follow Him. So let's look. This morning we will look at 1 Corinthians 9 from the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Number one is winning others. Let's read from verse 22 until 24. To the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. On in another translation, New American Standard, run in such a way that you may win. So we are in a competition. We are in a marathon. God has prepared for us a track that we need to run. Our lives is not just going to work, send the kids to school, pick them up, and then go back home and sleep, and tomorrow start all over again. I believe that's not the only things that God purpose in your life. God has a race for us to run. And number one, he said after Jesus was um, being raised from the dead, he said to his disciples, you go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them, teach them all that I have taught you, and I will be with you until the end of the age. So God is telling us, your life is not to live for your own self. You do not live only for yourself and your family. But your life is to bring the good news to others. Your life is to serve others. When you think about the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. This tree has been living together eternally. Now they never fight, they never argue, they honor each other. And when Father, Son, and Holy Ghost can live in unity, perfect unity, that means their life is not self-focused, but it's giving out. So the son is obeying the father. Jesus said, I never say anything, I never do anything except what the father told me and showed me. Wow, that is such a submission. You don't even talk outside of the script that God the Father has given you. You don't busy yourself with other things that God did not tell you to do. You just content with obeying 
what the Father instructed. Now that's Jesus. And Holy Spirit also the same. He brings to us, He tells us things that heaven already declared. Things that heaven is talking about. Things that heaven is moving right now. Where is heaven moving? And that's exactly the message that the Holy Spirit is giving to us. And Paul, once he was, his heart was captured by God, by Jesus, he started to share the good news. When he met Jesus, Jesus was the one that he hated before. He even persecuted Jesus before. But now that he tasted that Jesus was not what he thought before. Now that he tasted that Jesus is the living and true God. Can you imagine he was blind for three days? And in his vision, Paul, at that time his name was Saul, he saw someone coming to him. His name is Ananias and laid his hand on him and he was able to see again. And at the same time, in the other place, Ananias having the same vision. God is telling Ananias, you go meet the, the man named Saul, lay your hand upon him and he will be able to see again. It's amazing, right? When God orchestrates, when God prepares, one man over here, another over there, having the same vision. And it just happened just right. And God knows the exact address where Saul was. And he sent the man Ananias came to the address. I believe God knows your address. He knows exactly where you stay. He knows exactly what you are doing. But once Saul knows, wow, now I was blind for three days and now I can see again. He tasted the goodness of God that forgave what he had done to the followers of Jesus. Now Jesus forgave him and Jesus said to him, now Saul, you have to proclaim the good news. So that's why. Now Saul became Paul and he said, I try by all means to save some. He knows that when we are being called to go to heaven, it should not be only personal invitation. We should bring as many as we can. Together, we bring them into the best place forever and ever. Maybe if you cannot share yet, pray for the people whom you have in your heart. And pray that God will give you the right time, the right moment, the right words to share with that person. And God puts people around us every day. You have circle of friends. You have circle of people whom you meet every day. Those are the ones that God sent into your life.
And Paul said, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. And in this run that he run, Paul knows, you know, this race that we run, everybody run. But everybody must know where to run. You don't just run here and there. Whatever I like, I go over here. Maybe I just do what I want going around and around. That's not how it is, right? When we see in a competition, there are rules. You have to run this way and that's the finish line. So Paul said, I do not just run in any way, but I run in such a way to win. And this is exactly what this message is. God wants you not only to start well, not only to run well, but you have to win. You have to finish well. So in the life of Paul, we saw that he worked really hard. He keep sharing even though sometimes people do not receive it well. He was being stoned to death and he was being chased after because he was sharing the good news. So it's not without risk. It's not without threats to his life. But because he knows he's running the race, it means I have to spread the good news. I have to win others out of the fire of eternal hell. That's what he's done. And number two, after winning others, there's one thing that he needs to do, winning self. Let's read verse 25 until 27. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable breath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Number two, this is a serious warning. If you have served well, you need to also win yourself. Number one is talking about self-control in winning the race. Every athlete knows that if he wants to win, he has to train. Maybe train every day or most days of the week. Even though it's taking a lot of time, taking a lot of energy, but training is not only it. They have to take care how they eat because they cannot just eat anything and, we, and hope to win. Impossible. But there is another thing also. There is one athlete who insists even though he was young, 
even though his friends was having good times hanging outside, but he insists by 8 o'clock, 8 p.m., I need to go home and sleep because he wants to win his competition. So it's not only training, it's not only what you eat, but also your rest. So every athlete have to exercise self-control and his friend was trying to get him, come on, just go out with us. It's still eight o'clock, too early, but he cannot. He was getting mad at his friends who's trying to put him, you know, delay his time. So self-control is very important to win the race. And self-control in all things. And even more important, we are more than an athlete. We are doing it to gain a forever crown of glory. Later, when we are in heaven, the glory from one person to another will differ. It's not the same. We go to heaven, it's free. You receive salvation, you receive Jesus, free. But for the glory that you will receive, it's not free. It's how much you labor for love in this earth because you love Jesus. And that's what makes it different between one person and another. One person will be more glorious than the other. But all those things depends on now. What we do with our lives now. So in 1st 26, Paul say, I do not do it just in any way. But in 1st 27, I discipline my body and keep it under control. Notice here that what is Usually being troublesome to us is our body. Jesus said to his disciples, Matthew 26, 40, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he was praying, he was struggling, but then he came to the disciples and they were sleeping. He came to the disciples and found them sleeping and he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, our human consists of three beings, um, body, three parts, body, your soul, and your spirit. When you receive Jesus, your spirit say, yes, Lord, I receive you. And your spirit is willing to obey. Your spirit say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I want to get to heaven. But then what is troubling us often is our body and soul. Our body is like God says, can you not pray for one hour? Oh, I'm so tired. My body just aches all over. Can I just sleep a little bit more? 
Isn't that true? <laughs> That's what we do, right? Oh, I just need a little bit more rest. Our body is crying out against our spirit. That's why Paul said, oh, this wretched body. Because we bring with us sinful nature in our body. Our body doesn't like to suffer. Our body would like to have what is comfortable and nice and good. But that's the danger. The flesh is weak. Weak in obeying God. Weak in cutting off the desires. And when you want something, your body needs something, you cannot hold it. I just need to have it now. And let's just come back to 1 Corinthians. What is Paul saying? How he wins himself. He said in verse 27, I discipline my body. Keep it under control. How? The word discipline here, it also means I bruise my body. I do not just give whatever my body is crying out. I don't just give in what is the desire. You know, when we, when we tell our body, okay, it's time for prayer meeting. Oh, can I just skip it one time? And then the next week, when it's come to time to prayer, oh, there is another thing coming up. So our body is weak. But Paul is saying, disciplining our body. Sometimes he said, he bruised. Talking about bruising here, it doesn't mean, you know, you, 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 you make your body to suffer just like we see some people do it with, you know, physical suffering. They, they, maybe they sleep on something that is breaking their body all over. That's not what it meant. But it means like keeping your body under control. So as not to follow the desires of my body. And we will look at this further. And how can we win this? Because there is a danger if we do not keep our body under control. The desires that we have in our body, it wars against the desires of the spirit. Right? We all know. There is a war. I want to obey God, but my body says, no. I'm tired. No, I cannot do that. But the danger is, Paul said, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. The word disqualified here, it means rejected. 
it means reprobate someone who is morally wrong, someone who is foreseen as going to damnation. That's the meaning of the word. And that's scary, right? Some people say, oh, maybe this is being disqualified from ministry, from men. But when you are being disqualified from men, it can lead also to being disqualified from God. So why take a chance? This is very dangerous. And it's not, it's not just a simple saying, oh, well, maybe that's what, it's only Paul. But this really happened. There's one minister, I think he was a fellow worker with Billy Graham. And he had amazing encounter. He even had angels came to him, bringing message. And he saw miracles happen in his ministry. He was so amazingly, wonderfully used in his ministry, above average. But what happened? It doesn't continue consistently, but towards the end of his life, he was found to say, there's no God. There is no God. The man, the person who have had angelic visitation, who have had miracles happen through him, now at the end of his life, he said, no God. This is very real. If we do not win ourselves, we do little compromise. Little compromise, you just like, you deviate by 1%. And then you continue in that road. By the end, you find yourself far from the original way. This is very serious. And we also seen one of the disciples of Jesus, Judas, was on the ministry, on the healing ministry, deliverance ministry, and seeing a big success. But because he compromised with money, he thought it was whatever I like to spend, I'll do it. His compromise with money bring him far away from God. So how can we discipline our body? I write here, what you intake, that's your strength. If you never eat nutritious food, that's your strength. You don't have strength. If you never eat the word of God, how can you control your body? 
How can you control your desire? How can I control even my worries? There was a, a, a wife, a lady who just shared with us and he said, how come I just have this thoughts of worry when I hear some accident, when I hear some bad things and I start to worry about my children, my family, what happened, what if, what if, what if. And the only thing is, what determines your strength is your intake. Okay? Personally, the doctor, the doctor is like all the ministers of God who preach the word. This is the medicine, you take it. We give you the medicine, but you never take it. Are you going to be, to be healed? No. You don't take the medicine. So it's like the word of God that you take in yourself. That's your strength. We cannot be with you 24 hours a day, right? But God and the Holy Spirit is. The word of God is God himself. When you take in the word, that is like taking the power of heaven, taking the healing from heaven. And there's no wonder you become so powerful. There's just a testimony very quickly. This lady shared that when she was going through some trouble, she would read the Bible 30 until 40 chapters a day. And she was being delivered from all the worries, all the demon possession. It's all being delivered because she kept taking in the word of God. And even before she came to church, because of her fellowship with the word, God already told her, okay, this week, the message is about this. The scripture is here, here, here. And that's all. Without hearing first the message, she already got it. That's the power of the word. So we spoon feed you every Sunday, but every day you have to take it yourself. You have to eat it. And let's talk, the last one is about spiritual discipline. How can we discipline our body? 2 Timothy 2 verse 5. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules, which is lawfully agreeable to the law properly. And what is the rules? Psalm 119 verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If we want to finish well, if we want to win not only others, but also we conquer ourselves, we need to have this discipline according to the rules. And what is, who is the rules? Is the one from our maker. If you have a car and it's broken, the perfect one to know how to fix your car is the maker. The maker of your car will know exactly what's wrong and how to fix it. We are made by God. If we do things according to what he already said, then we are in the right path. So what is the spiritual discipline? We'll see Jesus expounding. 
Matthew 5, Matthew 6. Matthew 5 starts with, blessed are the poor in heart. So we start with the heart, the right heart. And we also have the scripture and the prayer. It's like two wings. One, you pray. But you pray, not only pray, 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 but you pray with the word. So both wings have to go together. Prayer and word. And that's what is before the throne of God. And then going on to Matthew chapter 6, these are some of the discipline that we should do. Number one is giving. In Matthew 6, it says, when you give. That means assuming that we should give. When, it's only a matter of time. We should give. Why giving is a spiritual discipline? Because, of course, I want it all for myself. But when God said, it's not all yours. <laughs> you have to give back what belongs to God. So it's a discipline. Oh God, I actually need this sum of money. But because I want to obey, so it's, it's a discipline. We cut our desires. Okay, Lord, I obey. It's not about me, 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 but it's about giving. Giving back what belongs to God. Number two, praying. When you pray. And number three, fasting. When you fast. And this is very important, church. We do have giving and praying when we meet together. But fasting usually is done personally and maybe when we have prayer meeting. But I would say, without fasting, you could rarely or maybe very hard to win over your body your desires. Fasting is the key to keep your body under control. When you start to tell yourself, okay, no food, stomach. And it's very important to ask the help of the Holy Spirit. If your spirit say, okay, Lord, I want, I'm willing to obey, but it's hard. There's one thing we should do. We should ask the grace of God to help us. Lord, help me, Lord. I really want to fast. Give me the grace to fast. And when you fast, it's not for dieting, but it's to stir up your spirit to pray. So there's one key that I want to leave you with. Is the Holy Spirit. All this discipline we cannot do on ourselves. Learn to cry out to God. Lord, help me. I know I am weak. Maybe you just say in your heart your weaknesses to God. Lord, when I see this, I just cannot control myself. Please help me, Lord. I don't want to have this. 
bad things in me. So when you cry out to God, asking for help, and number two, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit will help you win, conquer yourself. Let's come to the Lord. Let's have all the musicians to come forward and let's prepare our communion. We believe that when we come to the communion, there is power in the body and the blood of Jesus. The cross of Jesus is what giving us supernatural power. And I ask you to stand up together and I just worship him saying, Lord, I surrender.